Welcome to Mental Health Show here every Friday with Marcy Tatro and uh, Jay Paul. I would be uh, the part of Jay. This is Marcy here. Good morning. Good morning. <laughs> How are you doing today? I'm actually, I'm really happy. I'm excited to be here, like always. Yeah. All right. That's good. We have a big plan today. We have uh, oh, yeah, cool we guests have, and everything. Uh, we have a, a great show lined up. So welcome, everybody. Thank you for tuning in. Yes. Uh, we have, by the way, uh, uh, we'd like to thank... Uh, from uh, Minneapolis uh, Mental Health Systems, they're uh, a great place to get uh, the help that you need, too. So uh, do we have any information on how to we'll, get a hold we'll, of them? We'll be talking more about them. Oh, so we're gonna, okay. Yep. So we'll uh, expound uh, on that uh, as we get going here today. But uh, no, you, you have some uh, um, things to talk about? Yeah. yeah. So um, first of all, welcome to the show. If you're a first-time listener, today's uh, our show is essentially about combating mental health stigma, addressing barriers to care, and suicide prevention, and um, the reason that we do Goodbye Yellow Brick Road is because sometimes we think that there's this road to happiness, um, like, you know, the Yellow Brick Road, and then when we fall off it or we, we lose our, you know, our red shoes, we wonder, like, oh, no, what happened now, and this isn't what I expected. Um, and we find ourselves in this existential crisis, and it's something that we may have not encountered before, and now we're in unfamiliar territory uh, with our mental health and anxiety and depression and all the other things that may come along. So our show is really uh, designed here to be a support for the community and be a resource for this time of crisis in our country and in our state of Minnesota. So welcome. Yeah, and all these shows can be found on our website, ktoe.com, as well as the Facebook sites of all seven stations in our uh, family here. Uh, so you can go to uh, ri- uh, uh, ktoe.com and find out what stations they are, or radiomankato.com has a list of them as well. But uh, they are podcastable. You can just listen to them whenever you want, and they're all on there and available for you. Well, uh, let me see. I got an introduction to make here. Dr. Lane Peterson is a DBT therapist, author, and trainer who understands the challenges and opportunities of implementing DBT in real-world settings. What is DBT? Dialectical behavioral therapy is a motion-focused treatment that focuses on an acceptance-based approach with changing uh, kind of behavior uh, strategies. All right. Trained in a local clinical scientist model and having learned DBT in the trenches, Dr. Peterson bridges research and practice, and he teaches therapists how to implement DBT consistent with best practices. And Dr. Peterson has provided DBT training and consultation to over 10,000 professionals in the U.S., Australia, South Africa, Canada, and Mexico through his training and consulting company, Lane Peterson Associates, LLC. Notable organizations he's trained for include Walter Reed National Military Hospital, the Federal Bureau of Prisons, as well as... Uh, the United States Navy, the American Psychological Association, the Ontario Psychological Association, and Psychotherapy Networker, with four clinic locations in Minnesota at uh, MHS being one of those that we mentioned earlier. Let's bring him in. It's Dr. Lane Peterson. Well, good morning. Thank you, uh, Jay Paul, for that uh Wonderful introduction. I'm I'm glad that you had the abridged version of my resume <laughs> 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 because uh, you know, goodness, we wouldn't be able to get to anything else. But I'm so grateful to be here, uh, Jay Paul, and, and of course Marcy. Thank you so much. Hope you're very welcome. We're, we're very honored to have you on the show today. Yeah, where are you? uh, you're uh, out of East Coast, right? I mean, originally or normally? 
You know, normally, or originally, I'm, I'm from southwest Minnesota. Oh, okay. And, of course, I've been up in the Twin Cities here. Of course, like people should know, I've been up in the Twin Cities here for about 30 years now. So okay. I'm a Minnesotan uh, through and through and uh, lived here my whole life. And, um, yeah, what a what a wonderful thing you're doing here on the station to be bringing issues around mental health uh, out to the public and destigmatizing and just letting people know that help is out there and there is is there are so many resources out there um one of the things that i find with all my travels is that minnesota really has a lot of opportunities for seeking mental health compared to a lot of other areas in the country so um in in that um that situation we're really fortunate mm-hmm. yep and i think that does make a big difference too uh one of the things that we talk about a lot as a social worker is the access do do persons have access to resources when they need it and speaking. Yeah, that, that's a huge thing because, you know, what we find with a lot of people who are struggling with depression, anxiety, substances, or whatever it is that they're going through in life, um, oftentimes they'll have that moment when they're ready to reach out and hopefully there's someone on the other end of the phone or the computer to, to be able to, to pick up that, that call, um, you know, when, when the person's in that acute moment of need. And, you know, this is something that I always try to emphasize to people. Um, You know, it's very similar to when you have a physical ailment and you're just kind of living with it and living with it and living with it. And then you reach that point where you go, oh, my goodness, I just need to make an appointment with the doctor. Um, You've probably noticed uh, if you've ever been been in that situation that the moment that you make that appointment, you start to feel a little bit better. Um, And that's a lot the same too when we reach out for mental health um, issues and if we reach out and make that appointment things start to improve not always for everybody but as a trend and then of course it's really important to make it to that appointment and and to follow through with investing in your in your health in this case your mental health mm-hmm. nope that's so important i think the it's the being not consistent but but having um one, I think it takes a lot of courage to reach out for the first time to set up that appointment. We've talked a lot about that on the show. Uh, it's just really hard initially to reach out, and sometimes uh, there's a lot of stigma, too, about and different belief systems that may play into why we might not want to reach out, or we have an appointment we may not attend. So there's different things that might get in the way, like different barriers. Yeah, um, for sure to, to all of that. And, you know, one thing, I know this is something you probably talk about on every episode, but one thing that people ought to know is that mental health issues touch everybody's family. Um, it, it's, it's probably very rare to find a family where there's not someone who has had depression or who doesn't suffer with anxiety or where they're not having relationship problems with uh, others in their family or in their friend network or, or you know, out in the community um, people struggling with substances. So it's very, very common. And uh, mental health doesn't, uh, you know, or mental illness doesn't discriminate. Um, it finds people, no matter what your background, no matter what your socioeconomic status, no matter how much success you've had in life, um, you know, it, it, uh, it doesn't discriminate, unfortunately. And so to your point, Marcy, there are a lot of people who think they're alone and are worried about reaching out and what that might mean. But that step to reach out and, and to get treatment, um, like I said earlier, it's really an investment in, in, in your health. And there are a lot of different therapies out there, which is good because 
it is a lot. I'm sure you've talked about this before, finding a really great fit with a therapist and a therapy that makes sense for mm-hmm. you in terms of reaching whatever your personal goals are. And um, the thing about therapy and, and a lot of uh, the therapies that are used nowadays is that they're really about helping people to learn how to regulate their emotions and learn how to tolerate crisis when it happens and just really practical life skills that sometimes people never learned growing up or, or, or sometimes you have a nice amount of skills, but you just need to diversify your skills too. Um, so a lot of the therapies that uh, people are using nowadays are really about giving you, you know, the tools to deal with the ups and downs of modern life. Mm-hmm. You know, speaking of tools, fun little thing. I was looking on your reviews on your website, Lane, and uh, one of your reviews from a social worker said something to the effect that you have made a lot of um, DBT accessible to a lot of clinicians, and it was very impressive what they had said, something about, you know, it's very impressive what you've done for the field of DBT and, and for clinicians. And to speak, I can speak on this. About a month ago or so, my boss sent us an email saying, hey, guys, this is a really great uh, tool for you f- for using in therapy, 73 mindfulness exercises. I'm like, okay, I'll open it. I look at it and I'm like, oh, my gosh, it's by Lane Peterson. I'm like, oh, I'm going to have him on the show. So I got really excited because um, I was talking to Tori and, you know, one of the things that it sounds like you've done, uh, Lane, is that you have helped a lot of therapists and professionals make DBT accessible so they have interventions to work with their clients in the office. And so you've done a really great job of printing out different materials or writing them and making them accessible on Amazon and all their outlets to really help bring these interventions and skills to people in the office uh, for providers to help teach the, the community and the public on how to help help themselves. Yeah, well, well thank you for that. Um, those are really kind words. And, you, you know, I was just really fortunate that when I started my career, um, I worked in community mental health, and so I worked with a lot of clients who were really struggling with, um, you know, in, in, in our profession, we call it serious and persistent mental illness, but they're just regular folks struggling with a lot of problems that had really plagued them for years and years and years. And I was fortunate enough to uh, do my initial internship and some of the, my first professional learning in an environment where I learned DBT and where I worked with, with people who were going through such really, really uh, difficult times, um, um, struggling with self-injury, struggling with suicide, and you can imagine it, problems just across the board. And I found DBT to be such a, a practical way to help people because, number one, if you're a DBT therapist, you're really supportive of your clients and really non-judgmental about the behaviors that they sometimes fall into and the different struggles that they're dealing with. So you're supportive and non-judgmental and really validating. And then at the same time, you're teaching them all of these great skills. Um, like I said earlier, some distress tolerance skills. How do you survive crisis? And great skills to just regulate your emotions because all of us know what it feels like to have our emotions kind of take us for a ride. Mm-hmm. And when people have that happening to them a lot, um, a lot of other effective behaviors kind of go by the wayside. It's hard to get along with people when your emotions are really intense, and it's hard to figure out what your priorities are and what's most important to do today to take care of yourself. I mean, you can just kind of be hijacked by these emotions. Mm-hmm. And so teaching people how to regulate those emotions and smooth out that roller coaster and teaching people how to 
get along with people better and interpersonally and how to be more appropriately assertive to get their wants and needs met and to care for their relationships. And, and then also we talk a lot about mindfulness and DBT. So I just found that there were so many practical tools, we call them skills in DBT, that we can teach people. So what a wonderful combination to be able to pair understanding and empathy and validation and acceptance with giving people the things that they need in life. And so this this was like my career path, you know, from virtually the beginning. And when I saw the effect that DBT had, the positive effect that it had with people when they chose to engage in the therapy, it was just really amazing, and it just sort of, um, you know, set the course for my career. And I have to apologize. Uh, uh, of course, Jay, Paul, and Marcy know I'm on the phone, and you might hear a, a dinging happening. Someone probably, probably trying to contact me. Oh, yeah, uh, text message. I don't know how to turn off my Oh, no, you're, you're, no, you're, no, you're totally fine. <laughs> now, that, in fact, we have to take a break here. Why don't we we'll call right you back. back? We'll call you back in 10 minutes because I don't want you to have you hanging on the phone for 10 minutes. We've got a news, oh, news you know break what? to do. It's not a problem at all. I'm enjoying listening, so we'll, right. we'll get back after the break. <laughs> Sounds all right. good. We'll be right we, back. we got ABC News, and we'll be back with Mental Health with Marcy and Jay. All right, welcome back to Mental Health with Marcy Tatro and Jay Paul. It's a Friday at KTOE AM 1420 and uh, also 102.7 FM as well as streaming online at KTOE.com. And we have Dr. Lane. Lane Peterson is still on the phone. Thanks for hanging on with us. No problem. Happy to be here and uh, be a part of the show and... You know, uh, Marcy and I were, were talking earlier that it might be really great to be able to offer something practical for people who are listening to the show. But before we get into that, I just have to say, I just love that Indiana Jones music. Uh, I probably watched that movie, I mean, 50 times is not an exaggeration. Oh, yeah, it's it's, it's probably more than that, right? And so, you know, um, this is just even one little small practical thing. You know, a lot of times when people aren't feeling well, they they wait they wait to feel better to do something. You know, I, I have to wait to feel motivated or feel more up for it. And of course, it's very natural for people to fall into that. Um, that's just part of you know how we experience things. But you know, the really important thing to know is that we we feel differently based on choosing to do things differently. And it might even be as simple as listening to something like that Indiana Jones theme song and connecting to a positive memory in the moment um, or, or choosing to watch that movie or choosing to go for that walk or choosing to reach out to a friend. It's the, it's the behavioral part that ends up resulting in feeling differently. Mm-hmm. You know, and uh, so I have to say about the Indiana Jones song, I was reading through your bio and your bi- your biography, and I'm like, what am I going to do for a theme song for for Lane? And I was just reading through, and you're a professor, you you know, you have lots of books that you are actually out on Amazon, so if you're listening, go ahead and Google Dr. Lane Peterson. Um, you'll find the DBT uh, tools and uh, books online that you can uh, purchase but so I was just thinking, like, wow, like, this guy's he's done a lot of work. You've worked with um, the different uh, military groups uh, teaching DBT and now the Federal Bureau of uh, Prison System. And so I was just thinking, you know, you teach a lot. You're a professor. Uh, no, I'm, I'm going to Indiana Jones. Yeah. So I'm, <laughs> well, glad, well, I, I'm, glad, that. That, I'm glad that matched. 
Well, when I was a kid, I, I wanted to be an archaeologist more than anything because <laughs> I thought that was where the adventure was at. That yeah. That's what it was to be an archaeologist, was to be Indiana Jones. <laughs> and of course, people who know about archaeology know that it's much, much different. Right. I, I, I will say this. Every time that you sit down with a client, it's like an adventure that you co-create with them. And I think a lot of uh, clients are fearful if they go to therapy that they're going to have a therapist that just is there with a shovel and let's start just digging, 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 right? Yep, good point. But, yep. um, you know, archaeology is actually a very careful science. You know, if you've ever seen people just very carefully marking off sections and very delicately uh, brushing, you know, uh, the dirt or debris off of a bone, it, it's a very careful process. And, and people ought to know that, that therapy is like that, too. We are on this adventure to, to figure out this better life for you. Um, and yet we're going to be careful about that. And not every bone needs to be uncovered. And, uh, you know, I, I, I again, get back to that practical nature. Um, it, at least if you're going to a DBT therapist, their goal is to give you those things that you need to, to be doing better. And it can be very practical. And, Marcy, I, I loved how you set up, you know, let's have some intentional adventures this summer. And in, in DVT language, we might say you're going to build some positive experience. But that's like really the key. You need to intend to do it, and then you kind of need to follow through and do it to have those those positive results happen. And when you mentioned that, I couldn't help but think about mindfulness, which is a big part of DBT and something that we haven't really delved deeply into I mean, we could spend a whole day talking about mindfulness, but a lot of people have misconceptions about what it means to be mindful. They think, well, does that mean I'm doing something Buddhist, or does that mean that I'm sitting down and doing meditation for a period of time, or what does that actually mean to be mindful? Yep, they might and, add, they, I, and they might ask you, Dr. Lane, well, do I need a drum? Do I have to be like <laughs> sitting around in a drum circle in Colorado? Like, What does this look like? Do I need to be in Boulder? Right. Yeah, or do I need to find a cave to sit in for years and years and just follow my breath or a mountain? Where are we going to find a mountaintop in, you know, the southern part of Minnesota, right? Um, and uh, certainly you could be mindful in those ways. But what I, what I like to let people know is, my, first of all, mindfulness is human. It's been around since the dawn of consciousness. But also, at the same time, mindfulness is supported by science. So we know through research that if you practice being mindful during your day, you're going to be doing better uh, psychologically and emotionally and, and even physically. And the key to mindfulness, this is it right here, the key to mindfulness is choosing to pay attention to this moment non-judgmentally. And when you're working your mindfulness, what you're doing is, in DBT language, you would say you're taking hold of your mind and you're choosing where to put your attention and where to concentrate it. And you're doing that based on what's going to work for the moment. So I'll give you an example right here in my office. So I'm, I'm you know, going to be on this radio show today, and you're going to give me a call. And, you know, of course, I, I want it to be helpful for the people who are listening. And I walk into my office, and maybe you can even hear it from time to time, but there's this giant fly in my office today. That's making quite a racket. It's flying around and buzzing and will buzz my head every now and then. And, you know, I don't have a fly swatter. There's really not much I can do about it in this moment, right? So 
I have a choice. I can either drive myself crazy about this fly and catastrophize about it. Oh, my goodness, people are going to hear this fly, and the fly is going to distract me, and I'm going to say something so dumb over the radio or some <laughs> other thing is going to happen, and I could feel really anxious about all of that. Or I could just say, you know, I have a choice to be non-judgmental about the fly, accept it. it it's simply there, you know. Maybe there's something I can do about it later, but in this moment, it's not the time to do something about it. You, you all don't want me to jump off the radio to find a fly swatter right now. <laughs> so I can ex accept the reality of it and choose to focus my attention where I want it, which is to be a part of this program that's happening. And so mindfulness is really about being in any given moment non-judgmentally. So mindfulness isn't a what, like am I doing breathing or am I doing guided imagery or am I meditating? Those are things that we might do, what we're doing, right? Mindfulness is really a how. How are we going to do whatever it is that we're doing? So that means that every moment of the day is an opportunity to practice being in that moment. Because I could look back and get caught in a not-so-great memory in this moment, or I could look ahead and feel anxiety about something that may or may not ever happen. Or I could choose to just be here right now, whether I'm listening to this program, whether I'm having a cup of tea, whether I'm trying to organize something in my house or having a conversation with my child or my neighbor or sitting and feeling the sunshine, which I'm so grateful that it is spring here, by the way. Officially in Minnesota? Yeah, we skipped it, I think. It's going to be in the 80s now. <laughs> summer. All right. Well, we like summer in Minnesota, too, but, but this is the idea, right? How do we be here right now non-judgmentally and, and, and immerse ourselves in the moment? Yeah. No doubt. Say, uh, we went as far as to even have the uh, indie whip for you here. We See if you can hear this. <laughs> I can hear that in the background, just barely. But when I first heard it, I thought you did that sound effect just with your mouth, like you went like, or something like that, because my sound is not great on my end. But no, I appreciate that. Um, and people should know when they go to therapy, you know, we're not trying to whip people into shape. We're working with you, right? Again, yeah. to, to kind of co-create what's going to be... Um, you know, a better life for you. Mm -hmm. Before you let we let you go, though, I got to ask because uh, Marcy uh, referred to it off the air with me. Uh, you're from uh, Southwest Minnesota, but she's from Medelia, and you had a, a Medelia joke. You had a Medelia joke. Well, it really wasn't a Medelia uh, joke. It was, uh, you know, sometimes you see these really unusual uh, juxtapositions, right? Yeah. And so um, now this was many. This could be twenty years ago. Um, so for we have to consult the historians, but I remember driving back and forth between where I grew up and, and the Twin Cities, and you'd be heading north, um, and you'd see the sign and say, Medelia, just a smile away, <laughs> and that, that billboard sign was like right in front of the graveyard there. And I always, I always you know, uh, without, you know, not getting into like a morbid sense of humor, but I, I just always thought that was an interesting, <laughs> you know, uh, place to put that put that sign. Yeah, so and exactly. then it was, I, it was just you know, so funny. We joking, I find out you know Marcy grew up. In yeah, Medellia, so, that, so that was that was the funny part. It was more like yeah, there's a sign in Med like off the highway, Medelia. I'm like, oh, I didn't tell you I was from Medelia. I'm like, that's where I'm from. So we were just talking about the show and the um, the order of the bitchwares and things like that. But um, no, uh, Dr. Lane Peterson, thank you so much for coming on our show. And um, 
before we go, is there, do you have any tips on how, let's say someone's never, um, they're not used to meditation or the mindfulness practice. Is there a breathing tool that you might recommend to help someone focus on the here and now? Is there one or two, two easy metaphors or analogies that you might be able to give to help? Sure, sure. There are a couple quick things. One is, I would say, just being observant of your environment. And in any particular moment, just stopping and pausing and just going through your senses. What am I seeing? What am I hearing? You know, what am I feeling? Um, so on and so forth. Uh, and just sort of doing that quick scan and observing and describing of your environment can be really, really grounding. Um, sometimes I like to have people develop cues to be mindful, right? Like I once had this client, she came up with this brilliant uh, thing. She called it red light meditation because we all know how frustrating it can be to sit at a red light and, oh my gosh, I'm running late and why aren't these lights timed correctly? And we get into all of that. And she said, you know, when I see a red light, that's my cue to stop and just be in the moment and look around and take in my environment, which is a great thing to do when you're driving, by the way. And yeah. to maybe take a deep breath or two and just create a moment of peace during that red light rather than, you know, having it be a moment of frustration. And you can do that with any kind of cue. Maybe it's when you walk through the door, you remember to stop and pause and breathe and look around a little bit. Or before you respond to someone, maybe if you have children or teenagers, maybe they do or say frustrating things from time to time. I've read something about that. <laughs> As teenagers myself, I've experienced <laughs> that quite actually. You know, that's a great time to just sort of take that moment to pause. Mm -hmm. And again, take that breath, come back to yourself. Um, going back to the breath is an anchor to mindfulness. And to just think about being deliberate or in DBT language, we might say, be in your wise mind before you respond so that you come from a place of, of balance. And so those are a couple, uh, you know, quick tips on how you might, you know, just work on being more in the moment and more mindful and hopefully more responsive and effective. Oh, that's great. Um, I love that piece you just shared about the stop and pause. And I think that's really good uh, language that people can really understand. Like, okay, you know, I'm not familiar with mindfulness, but I can understand the red light and I can understand uh, stopping and just pausing in the middle of my busy day, my routine. And so I think people can really grasp that a little bit more than I think sometimes our clinical language. So I think that was great. Yeah. You know, here's the thing. We want to learn how to be more responsive in our lives rather than reactive. It's good that we know how to be reactive because if you stepped into the street and you were about to be hit by a car, that's a really good time to react and jump back away rather than think about, you know, what next course of action you might take. That's not a time to think. That's a time to react, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But when we react as our default in life, then that causes us a lot of suffering and probably other people some suffering too. So yep. a big part of mindfulness is that learning how to pause and assess, take in, and then decide what's going to work. Well, uh, Lean, my friends are going to be like, Mercy, why are you pausing? I'm like, I'm trying not to yell at you. No, I'm just kidding. So <laughs> <laughs> like my friends are, I have some friends that we always have conversations like, you're pausing. I'm like, I know, I'm, I'm thinking, I'm thinking. Right, I'm thinking what to say. So I think you you might have thing. just uh, blown my secret to the whole world there. Uh, Marcy pauses often. Like, uh, okay. But yeah, um, yeah. where uh, where can people find you, uh, Lane? Where can they find your resources if they want a tool, if they want to learn this, or if they want to hire you for a presentation? Um, where can they find your contact information? 
L. Peterson with a D, so L-P-E-D-E-R-S-O-N, at mhs-dbt.com. So that's my that's my email address, and um, I'm sure I'm Googleable. Um, and, of course, my clinics up in the Twin Cities areas are, are mental health systems, or MHS, and that's at mhs-dbt.com. And, uh, yeah, and I just, again, I just want to uh, say what a wonderful opportunity it was to have me on today. I'm grateful for this, and I think you're just doing wonderful work, and, and I hope the audience has in, in, enjoyed the program today. Oh, I bet they did, and I'm, I'm, I'm excited to hear from, uh, from my friends and family and colleagues here, so we'll, we'll hear pretty immediately. But thank you, Lane, so much for coming on, and I really appreciate your time. Um, I know you're really busy, but thank you so much, and also on behalf of the field, Thank you for what you do for us as a mental health professionals, for the tools. Uh, they're really helpful, uh, at least for me professionally, and, again, making it widely accessible across the whole nation for um, persons to practice. So thank you so much for what you're doing in the field. Um, yeah, so thank you for coming on. We'd love to have you on again anytime. Yeah, I'd love to be back. So thank you also, uh, Jay Paul, and I wish everyone a, a wonderful day and that you have something to feel grateful for today. And now awesome. I want to be Thank Googleable. You. I don't. I'm not Googleable <laughs> like you are. Oh, I'm Jay Paul. I'm sure you are. In fact, you just inspired me to try it out. <laughs> <laughs>